This is episode 32 of the Bearded CarCast. I am Mike Pacheco, Dave Friedman alongside. This week, a very special guest as we talk NFL football. The radio play-by-play voice for the Carolina Panthers, Mick Mixon, joins us. Mick, also the television voice for the Panthers in the preseason. So as we tape this podcast, he was getting ready to finish up his prep work and get to the plane for Carolina at Pittsburgh in the final preseason game for the Panthers. They're 3-0 this year in preseason play up until this game. So we talked to Mick about his career, how he got involved in play-by-play, what his passions are, what he likes to do outside of football. And, of course, we talk about the 2018 Carolina Panthers. Follow the Bearded CarCast on Twitter. It's at Bearded CarCast. And on Instagram, at Bearded CarCast as well. You can send us an email, beardedcarcast at outlook.com. Here's our conversation with the radio play-by-play voice for the Carolina Panthers, Mick Mixon. We are glad to be joined by the voice of the Carolina Panthers getting ready as we tape this, the final preseason exhibition came, and then we get into the regular season. So a lot to talk about with Dave Friedman. I am Mike Pacheco. Mick, welcome to the Bearded CarCast. You're the, uh, you're, the, you're the featured guest this week. That doesn't say much about who you've had on the show, but I'm honored and that you guys came to the stadium to see me and set up all this gear to have me on the podcast. I uh, And I appreciate you calling me the uh, voice of the Panthers. I, I, I had a banquet a few years ago where this old boy came up and grabbed me by my lapels, and he said, son, I hear you're the voice of the Carolina Panthers. And I said, oh, yes, sir, that's, I guess that's right. And he said, well, it's a good thing you're not the face of the Panthers <laughs> or we'd all be in a lot of trouble. So I totally get that. People say the same thing about Mike and I. Yeah, we've heard that uh, about us as well. You know, on our last podcast, Mick, we were talking about how difficult it was to get Hamilton tickets when the theater production put their tickets on sale. There were 60,000 people in the queue here in Charlotte. And I told Mike that I think if we kept our eye on the prize, if we kept our eye on those tickets coming out, eventually they'd pop into the system and we'd get them. And last week, that's exactly what happened. And I scored a couple of tickets. But didn't tell me. He just got him him for himself. Well, I thought it would be better to save it for the podcast. It's too good a material. You got to surprise him. Aside from football, what are the things you're interested in? I like taking care of my uh, the house where my wife and I live. I I love. um, I've got that. I'm either blessed or cursed. Dave, by the do-it-yourselfer gene, my successes are outnumbered by my failures. But I, when I shake another man's hand, I want to know, and I rarely say anything. I never say anything, but I want to know, has that hand that I'm shaking ever held a wrench, a hoe, <laughs> a rake, a hammer? Uh, is it a, a working man's hand? And so I love chipper shredders, chainsaws. Uh, I got to build a shop at my house with a lift in it a few years ago. That had been a dream of mine to have a two-post lift, so I have a Benpack 10,000-pound two-post lift. Sometimes I go out and just sit with it. I love wow. having this. I got a general contractor's license a few years ago, so I'm GC uh, license uh, number 77226. Wow. So I get called, even though I don't know how to do anything, I just pass the test. <laughs> yeah. But I get calls from people saying, uh, mixing construction, yes. Uh, can you remodel an apartment complex for us? And I go, I'm stacked up. I can't do it. I'm like planes at O'Hare Airport. I'm just too busy. That's awesome. What do you like to do in and around Charlotte? You've now been in this area for quite a while. Do you have favorite restaurants or places to go or things to see? No, gosh, no. I'm boring. My life is G-rated in every way. I rarely get out much. Um, I love music. My wife mm-hmm. is the lead singer in 
my uh, band, both literally and figuratively. Dawn is uh, about five feet tall. She's an immense talent, and I have played drums my whole life. I always used to wonder why my parents drank so much alcohol, and I realized with the hindsight of, uh, of, of living a few years and into adulthood that it was my fault that me upstairs trying to practice the drums probably caused them to uh, to drink more than would be advisable. <laughs> but um, I started a band in the early 90s called Break, Wind, and Fire. Break, Wind, and Fire band, we burst onto the scene very suddenly and then sort of dissipated when our bass player, Ned, the grateful Ned Collette, moved to Florida. Then I started another band after Break, Wind, and Fire called the Franklin Street Band, and I, I heard this little girl sing at a barbecue once, and I thought, man, I have been hearing angels sing. This She could sing Aretha, Patsy, Janice, country, pop, rock and roll, Journey, Led Zeppelin. I mean, this incredible talent, so soulful. So I called her, recruited her, hired her in the band, and we said barely 20 words to each other for the next six or seven years <laughs> until 2009 when uh, I got single and I was uh, fortunate enough to get on her calendar. And we went out, had a glass of wine and a meal one night, and... Uh, and it went well from there. I remember seeing you down at um, Stonecrest and uh, yeah. making the ultras. Oh yeah, that was my other band. I yeah. started a Charlotte band called Making the Ultras. We're sitting around one night trying to name the band, and we had uh, beverages there because it's important <laughs> to stay hydrated during practice. Of course, band practice you burn a lot of calories, sweat a lot. Yep. So they said Pat Cashin, who was our guitar player and lead singer, he said we want we want to call it. You know, you got the Dave Matthews Band, you got the Jethro Tull, you got all these names. We want to call it the Mick Mixon Band, and I said, absolutely not. That will never happen. <laughs> but then he was drinking uh, this one berry. He looked at it and said, "How about Mick and the Ultras?" So <laughs> I said, cool. "Okay, I'll, I'll give my first name to it." That's outstanding. Your background, people know you as the voice of the Panthers. You've been here for quite a while, but you've done other stuff in the industry. Of course, you worked in the college space for a long time. For the audience who knows you only as calling Panther games, what's your background like? Well, I grew up in Chapel Hill. My dad was a chemist, a chemical engineer. He loved his idea of a good time was differential equations and analytic trigonometry <laughs> and maybe a little calculus mixed in little physical chemistry, uh, he looked at me throughout my childhood, Dave, like I was probably not of him, that there was something that had happened and somebody got in there uh, which was not him. My mother was totally different. She was an artist. She could sing, dance, do voices. I mean, just this rock star of a woman. And how they got together is a mystery because they were so different. So my life was a, an adolescence of spirited human dialogue, arguing, just beating it. It wasn't the Cleavers at all. It wasn't, there was nothing, the Andy Griffith show about it. It was uh, people hooting and howling and drinking and arguing and getting up in the morning, working hard and doing it all over again. Sounds like a good podcast. I don't know. It yeah. was a joy though. And then Chapel Hill was a neat place to grow up because every, I didn't realize this again until I got older, but every one of my classmates almost there, you know, their father's Wrote the. T I remember being in college, reading a uh, statistics textbook in a stats class, and I looked at who wrote it, and it was the father of one of the guys I went to grade school with. So, uh, so it's an interesting community. But um, let me see. What was your question? What do I like? Well, what what, what else? What I mean, else about that, me? That, that's your youth, and and that's really interesting. Kind of 
gives us some perspective on where you come from. But what about professionally, job-wise? Oh, this is all I ever wanted to do. I, ever since I was a little Mickey Mixon, and I realized that I was not going to be the star pitcher, the starting quarterback, the point guard, the, the winner of the green jacket. All I ever wanted to do since I was about 10 years old was to be a sports broadcaster if I could. You're too young, Mike, you're too young, but Kurt Gowdy was in his heyday along with Chris Schenkel yep. and Jim McKay and others back when I was a kid. And so I thought, that's that's it. That's what I wanted to do. I had I didn't care. My sister went to law school because she thought my father, who who was had a little academic snobbery, that that's how she could curry her favor. For some reason, I was totally tone deaf to any of those family dynamics. I went to Carolina, UNC, eight semesters. Couldn't wait, loved it, but couldn't wait to get out. Could not wait to get out there and start broadcasting American Legion baseball, Pop Warner football, dirt track car racing. My boss at the first radio station that I worked for full-time said, son, I don't care if two midgets are having a fist fight in the parking lot of McDonald's. <laughs> if you can sell the ads and get the broadcast yeah. sponsored, you can broadcast it. So I've been very fortunate. I've, I've been so lucky that I've had good jobs and good bosses. And, and you know, the sun rises, the sun sets, and all of a sudden I'll, I'll be 60 years old in a couple of weeks. Well, you don't look it, I'll tell you that. Uh, I know, so Zoki and I were doing a, we, we're doing our, we started a new podcast, the pregame, postgame podcast. And after we were taught, after we finished with it, we were talking because Jim asked me the difference between broadcasting baseball and broadcasting football. And we started talking about the differences. And I said, you know, who would be really great at doing baseball. I said, Mick would be great at with his preparation and his storytelling. He said, well, you know, he was the voice of the main guides. I said, no, I didn't know that. That was one of the best summers uh, six months out of my life. I was in my late 20s, and I was on the phone with these these just horrible human beings, Dave Rosenfield and Tony Mercurio were their names, who were with the Tidewater yeah. Tides, and they were just, both of them were 400 pounds. They were mad, angry, and grouchy, and I'm the Southern you know, hey, guys, do you need any you, – you don't know this, but you need me to come do your play-by-play. And, oh, shut up, kid, scram, you bother me. And before they hung up on me, I was able to squeeze in, well, do you know of any other teams that are hiring? And Dave Rosenfield said, well, I heard the guy in Maine might be looking for somebody. Boom, hung up. Pre-internet, pre-texting, pre-email, pre-Google. So you have to get out the – you know, go to the library and get the microfiche to find yeah. out, okay, Maine guides, who owns it, who's what's yeah. the number to call, hello, operator – collect calls. <laughs> so, you know, I'm going to type a letter on a Smith Corona. But I was able – so I convinced Jordan Kobritz, who owned the main guys, yeah. the Philadelphia Phillies, AAA affiliate, to hire me. I, I ended up buying a ticket, 350 bucks on Delta, to fly into Portland, Maine from Columbia, South Carolina, without even the promise of an interview. Wow. And I wrote in my cover letter, so that you are doubly sure you have the right person for this important job. I've booked myself a seat on Delta Flight 1311 <laughs> to arrive Portland, Maine on Tuesday, March 12th at 2.30 p.m. So I spent this money non-refundable back at a time when I didn't have $350, yeah. but I had the special strength of the truly shameless, and that is I wanted that job yeah. or one like it. So anyhow, make a long story short, Jordan Kobritz calls me, and he said, because I'd send him my resume tape and all that, and he said, is this Forrest Orion Mixon third?" So I knew he got my resume. Yeah. I said, yes, it is. He said, well, this is Jordan Kobertson. You got, you got two strikes against you. 
And I said, oh, my gosh, what's the first strike? He said, the first strike is anyone named Forrest Orion <laughs> Mixon third has an automatic strike against them in life. I said, okay, so it's 0-1. What's the second strike? He said, the second strike is you spell my name wrong in your cover letter. <laughs> oh. And I, oh, God, I was crushed. I mean, it's just like a when you whack a spider with the yeah. heel of your shoe and the legs curl up. That was me. My legs curled up. Oh, God, how could I have done that? <laughs> he said, I said, well, I'm sorry, but last time I checked the rule book, you still needed three strikes to strike out. And he said, son, are you serious about this flight? And I said, are you inviting me up for an interview? And he said, are you serious about this flight? So we went round and yeah, round yeah, on that yeah. three times. He said, all right, I'll have Mitch, the clubhouse guy, pick you up. So I flew in, got the job, and, fellas, that Petri dish of my, of minor league baseball. And I'd done class A college yeah. ball. But to be at AAA, airplane league, coat and ties on the road, yet still in this maturity vacuum of stories and jokes and carnage and inappropriate behavior I mean it was incredible and I'll tell I would tell any announcer any these young kids get as far as my desk and they say I want I'll do anything Mr. Mixon tell me what this is stupid they call me by that but just because I'm old Mick tell me to what to do I'll do anything I say bring me the broomstick of the wicked witch of the east and they say what and I say somewhere around here there's a game there's a volleyball game there's girls soccer there's high school football, doesn't matter. Go broadcast 30 minutes of the game into your phone yeah. and bring it back to me, and I'll tell you what to do next. I've told that to 26 young adults in 14 years here. How many have come back to me with the broomstick of the Wicked Witch of the East? Well, that's good. What's your guess? Uh, I'd say it's a pretty small minority. I'm going to go half. Mike? So you're going 13 yeah. out of 26? The answer is zero. And I've started telling them, after about 20, I started telling the, the last six, I said, and I know I'm never going to see you again. Yeah. And they say, well, why? I'm, I'm motivated. I've, I've got, I'm a hard worker. I'm a people person. I say, bull crap. You're not, I'm not going to see you again because what I've tasked you with is relentlessly simple, but it's also a little difficult because you're going to have to get uncomfortable. Right. You're going to have to tell your hoodlum friends you're not going to Orange Julius or circling the mall with them yeah. this Friday night. You're going to have to get there early, talk to coaches, talk to the lady that's cooking the hot dogs, talk to the guy that's dragging the infield. You're going to have to find out who, what the name, these people's names, their stories, their backstories. Then you're going to have to sit in the stands and have people look at you like you're some doofus as you go, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Stowe Field where today two of the – country's top American Legion baseball games will meet for the second game of a pivotal three-game series. And everybody's going to say, who is that guy? What's he doing? But if you want to do this, that's what you'll do. Yeah. Got to do uh, – Baseball is the thing. And I, I, somebody who can do baseball, I'll plug you. I don't care. I'm, I'm not Chet Forty. Uh, I'm not, uh, not Frank Turcanian. But I, I'll, you bring me somebody that's a good baseball man or a good baseball woman, then they're the universal donor. They're O-positive yeah. blood. Yeah. I can send you to do golf, yep. tennis, soccer, rugby, the Olympics, and, and you'll be able to handle it yeah. because of what you learned from baseball. Yeah, no, I agree. I, and I tell people that, too. You can, it's, it's very transferable. I think one thing listening to your broadcast, Mick, and, and I hope this is a, a high compliment, but it's your descriptive nature and, and how detailed you get. How, where did you learn that, and was that a work in progress, or is that just something that you kind of learned early on and you've been able to kind of improve upon? 
I don't know. Don't we need to take a break or isn't it time for <laughs> the break on the podcast? I, I disagree with the premise of your question, although I appreciate it. Thank, thank you. And coming from you, that's a great uh, compliment. But it's um, we always to me, we always fall short. And uh, I listen back to games and I think I, I shouldn't have. It's not a, it's not good enough to say that Cam Newton throws up and out to the left or, you know, mid-range, short and middle, whatever. You, there's always more detail you could add. Right. We're just with the construct of, of of the other broadcasters I work with and the time, the elapsed time, you just don't have time to give all the detail that you would want. But I appreciate what you're saying. I met a blind listener at training camp this summer, and I so enjoyed talking to him because, in my view, on radio, which is the best medium, yeah, it's the most personal, it's the most intimate. People hang out with you if – your broadcast is a meeting place where people can come. They spend time with you, hopefully for a few minutes, even after they've heard the score, the down, the distance, whatever. But this blind guy reminded me yet again that on radio, everybody is sight challenged. Mm-hmm. I can't stand these announcers that give it the old Brent Musburger, you know, you're looking live at Soldier Field in Chicago or hello, everyone. It's just, just not good enough. Right. They're listening one at a time. You miss the opportunity when you say, hello, everyone. You sound like a caricature of a sports announcer that Central Casting sent over. Right. You miss the opportunity to have a more meaning, maybe just a, in subtle ways, but to have a, more of a one-on-one connection with people. We're joined by Mick Mixon on our Bearded Carcast. What episode is this? 32. Or 33 or 31 or something along those lines. You've been to training camp. You've watched the preseason games. This Panthers team, what challenges do they face what if they overcome will they have success this season last year I got in love with the Carolina Panthers and I wouldn't say that my heart was broken because we had a good season but we lost to the Saints three times including that that playoff loss in New Orleans but I just had a feeling about last year's club I knew that team was something special so I allowed myself at every podcast every rotary club every kiwanis every optimist club every radio broadcast every panther talk i was kind of saying look through the wormhole can you see it transcendent qb at the height of his powers deep and talented defense recent super bowl experience but then disappointed at all the close losses in 2016 i just knew last year was going to be the year so this year (laughs) I'm not falling for that slicker game again. Yeah. That's the three-card money. That's the shell game that our industry can play with you. It hikes up its skirt. It flirts with you. You think you got a chance to get her out on the dance floor, spin her around a bit. It's getting close to closing time. But it's hard to win even one. It's hard to complete one pass in the NFL, yeah. much less get a first down, much less get a touchdown, much less win a game, much less win 11 or 12 games. But by any measured analysis, don't you both agree, this Panther team, this is the confluence of some mighty flowing rivers. You got a group of iconic Panther players, Olsen, Khalil, Thomas Davis, uh, Julius Peppers, for whom this might be it. You got a new owner coming in. You got Cam Newton. Cam Newton's life and Norv Turner's life have intersected, and this is a magical place where all your football dreams could come true. So I'm kind of starting to get in love again. How does Norv change this team? Oh, he changes it in a big, big, big way, Dave. Here's how he changes it. I was on the broadcast the other day, and I was saying 
to myself, self, what do the world's greatest martial artist and Norv Turner have in common? More than you might think. Because Bruce Lee famously said, use only that which works. Do not get set into one form, but adapt and change. Be like water. Water can flow. Water can crash. Be like water, my friend. The words of the great martial artist Bruce Lee. Norv Turner, that's exactly how Norv Turner got his black belt in offensive football. He will use what works. There is no such thing as, if you hear anybody saying, this is a Norv Turner. Norv Turner offense is vertical passing game and a sledgehammer running game. Or Norv Turner offense is screens and dinks and dunks and nickel and dime, hunt and peck. They don't know what they're talking about. A Norv Turner offense is is all those things or none of them depending on the defense. Won't this be exciting? This offense will have the ability to identify game-specific, even even uh, quarter-specific or half-specific matchup problems and take advantage of them. It's the Patriots model. This is how New England does it. If they have to run it 50 times a game, they'll do it, and they'll do yeah. it well to take away what your defense does best. If they had to pass it 50 times a game, then they're nimble with that. So that's going to be this offense. So what have the Panthers done this year to overcome what you mentioned earlier, losing to the Saints three times? It seems that the division is still pretty strong. I agree. Got, the main thing has gotten faster. That, was the, that yeah. was the number one thing. This team did not have the juice. Let's just call it for what it is. This team did not have the shake at the end of last year with Demir Bird getting hurt, with yeah. Curtis Samuel getting hurt, some injuries in the back end. Now, we still had weapons, and up until the final seconds ticked off in the playoff game at New Orleans, I, I was still on the bandwagon. I, I was kicking it, putting air in the tires, pushing it from behind. I just had a belief in last year's team, which is unlike me because normally I don't get emotionally attached to, to sports teams. But we didn't have the foot speed. But now we do, if we can stay healthy then this this team's got the horsepower. This team's got the octane to take it deep. It's hard to gauge year from year because every every team is different. But this team, Mick, and just through the first three preseason games with the number ones, it just feels like they're building on what we saw in 2015 and what we saw in last year. And instead of maybe starting from scratch, it just seems like it's it's starting to be a continuation, almost like going from a bachelor's to a master's as opposed to re reworking and becoming a new team. Yeah, I, I agree with that, I guess. Um, that's that's the way it should be, right? Because it's the hardest thing to be in sports, but in the NFL, it's consistently good. That's why what the Patriots have done, even though they've been cheating yard dogs at times, it appears, to – so what are their stats? In the Robert Kraft era, they've been to eight Super Bowls and won five. They're working on eight consecutive 12 – or more win seasons. That's an NFL record. Yeah. I mean, hello, is this on testing? <laughs> Woo. You cannot do that because the whole way the NFL DNA is structured, it's to encourage parity. The way the NFL computer spits out its schedule, the way draft order is determined, all of these things are designed to help the Detroit Lions rise up, right. to help Tampa Bay get good again, to help Cleveland be good again. So for the Patriots to have this number of, of titles, divisional titles, conference titles, it, it defies logic, but that's what the Panthers aspire to. And I also think this, guys, if Carolina could, could break through and get a Super Bowl, 
then we'd win another one or two after that. Kind of figure out how to do it. Yeah. And and Cam Newton would then have multiple titles on his resume. Well, got you go after this. The new owner, Dave Tepper. How does that change what goes on around here? Not sure yet, Dave. I think that uh, he has number one come in and shown that he is a good a good dude. That he can laugh at himself. He can make fun of himself. The few times I've talked to him, he's run the knife in me. Uh, first time I met him was at training camp Thursday morning, July 26th, about 9:30. I'm walking through the Wofford, the football offices at Wofford. Door opens, boom! All of a sudden, here's Coach Rivera. Here's Dave Tepper, right in my face. I mean, almost ran into him. They're yeah. that close. Rivera looks at me and goes, "Mick, how you doing, man? Good to see you." I said, "Coach, I'm great, but I feel I'm kind of left out." He said, "Why?" I said, I hadn't met the new man yet. And I turned to Dave Tepper and said, Dave, I shook his hand. I said, Dave, I'm Mick Mixon. I'm one of your broadcast guys. Looking forward to working with you. Tepper looks at Rivera and says, hadn't you been feeding him? (laughs) (laughs) Because for those who do not know, Dave and I are a little ectomorphic. I'm not exactly the Luke Keekley of NFL (laughs) play-by-play announcers. And I said, seriously? I've met you 20 seconds and you've run the knife in me? He says, did it take that long? I said, no, it was more like eight seconds. And he just got a big smile. And, yeah. and so when we broke company, I thought, I guarantee you he would have liked me more if I could have insulted him back. Right. But I just didn't have it in me right then. But to Dave's question, I'll try to be brief. Uh, things are going to be happening. And I don't know exactly what, yeah. but he, he said, just look at what he said. Right. Major League Soccer, stadium improvements, uh, possi- the possibility of new practice field, mm-hmm. a bubble, air conditioning, uh, making the practice fields into something, building a new practice facility state-of-the-art. So hang on because it's going to be a great ride. Uh, we're only in the pregame of his tenure. I mean, it's yeah. we won't know really until three, four years from now. Yep, that's exactly right. I'm proud of you both. You asked me – you only asked me one or two statement questions, which I detest. You did not say the word like improperly too many times. But you're young, you millennial brains. I'm I'm, I'm older than a millennial. Of. I'm closer to your age than I am, Dave. So I enjoyed it. I hope hope you guys didn't mind coming over. Oh, absolutely. We and hopefully we can do this again. This is, we could talk another two hours, but we know you have to get to work. You got a you got a plan to catch. It's Thanks, not man. work, as you guys know. It's not work. It's a joyous Noel. But um, we try to <laughs> pretend like we're hard at it, nose to the grindstone. <laughs> I appreciate you guys. Thank you. Have fun. Okay, tune us in. Oh, we appreciate McMixon spending a few minutes with us here as he gets ready for uh, the final exhibition game. He's going to be on TV with Mike Rucker, and then he'll be back uh, next week when the season opens against the Dallas Cowboys. And, uh, you know, some good insight from Mick, not just on, uh, you know, the Panthers, but I, I thought it was very interesting, his uh, upbringing and his, the, the way he kind of got into broadcasting and how he approaches broadcasting. You can't fake being genuine. Some people give you that coaches speak and those cliches. He he gives you him. You you can like him or you can dislike him, but you're going to dislike him or like him for exactly who he is. And he's a fascinating guy with a divergent set of interests. And I really enjoyed the fact he critiqued. Yes, the, the I know. Podcast. That was great. That's I, right. and th- that might be a new segment on, on the podcast. Someone can come in and tell us what we did wrong at the end of each one. And, and that may take longer than the podcast itself. That might be its own podcast. <laughs> That is its own. That'd be podcast. like uh, you know how they do, like on HBO they do like the making of you know <laughs> Top Gun. You know we'll, we'll do the, the uh, critiquing of the 
the bearded car cast. Yeah, exactly. But it did not seem as though he was that excited to come with me to Hamilton. So <laughs> I, I, I guess I'll take Nicole instead. You know, I I would have lost that bet. I would have thought that he would have jumped at the chance to see. Yeah, and maybe kinda, he's already seen it. May, maybe I kind of thought so that. too. But his interest level did not seem to be. Yeah. Uh, well, no, I enormous. do have a bone to pick about that because uh, I talked to Darren again. He said, "Yeah, I talked to Dave yesterday, and he found that there was this like hole in the system. So we you know we we managed to buy tickets. I was like, buy tickets? I, I didn't hear about this. I would have loved to buy tickets. Well, I would have told you, but I." I thought we had to save it for the podcast. <laughs> I thought I thought the point was to surprise yeah, you. Yeah, but now then, I'm out. I can't well, buy tickets. You know, it's funny you say that. You probably can because Darren got so excited yeah. about this. He bought two sets of tickets. Oh, did he now? So you really should just oh, tell him, hey, yeah. you bought tickets for an extra day. Yeah. Why don't you let me H- in hook, on that? Hook a brother up, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Sounds good. So this basically is going to wrap up our off-season version of the podcast. We've been doing every two or three weeks kind of as our schedule allows during the summer as we've traveled and been doing other things. But now we're kind of back into the fall. I've got my first Johnson C. Smith football game this week, and you're obviously working each week with the Panthers broadcast, and we're very soon going to be back in basketball mode. I think winter basketball practice begins in about a month, five weeks from now, something along those lines. So we're going to get back into a a weekly podcast, and we would encourage our listeners to to reach out. What have you liked? What have you not liked? What would you like to hear going forward? And you can email us at beardedcarcast at outlook.com or use social media, and I think we're available these days on about every one yeah, of them. Yeah, every one of them. And uh, don't forget, um, uh, not Snapchat. We're not on Snapchat, but we are on Instagram. The other thing is, and this will probably be in the next couple of weeks, um, we already have a good flavor, a good sense of, of where we're going to be this fall in, in early winter. But when the basketball schedule comes out, we'll talk about that. We'll kind of get in depth on that. And if you have suggestions on some of the places that we're going, and there are going to be some some uh, blue blood basketball programs that we're going to be visiting this year. I've already crossed off Keeneland. We are going <laughs> to Keeneland. And instead of doing like a you know 30-minute podcast, we're just going to sit at the OTB all day long. It's going to be like an, an eight-hour uh, handicapping session. It'll be great. Yeah, it's going to be now, a lot Keeneland's of fun. not running when we're in yes, Lexington, but right. the OTB be Mike it will still be open it will still be open all right so I want to thank Mick Mixon from the Carolina Panthers for joining us today and for Dave Freeman I'm Mike Pacheco thanks for listening until next time this has been the Bearded Carcast make sure you follow us on Twitter at Bearded Carcast same handle on Instagram and you can email us beardedcarcast at outlook.com <laughs>